If you would open up in your Bibles, we're going to begin over at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 over at verse 26. There was a young couple who was very much in love. They were getting married in their church. And as they were getting closer to the day, the wife Sue, she was just getting really nervous about this big occasion. Such a huge step in their life. And so as the pastor was talking to her, he had the idea that he was going to share this verse with them at, at their wedding. And the verse was First John verse 4 and uh, verse 18 of chapter 4, which says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And so he got their best man, and he pulled the best man up and said, I want you to read First John chapter 4 and verse 18, and I want you to emphasize that this verse is very applicable to the couple. And then I'll be preaching on it later on. And so uh, the best man did so, and he got up and began to share from this, but unfortunately the pastor did not quiz the best man to find out if he was even born again. And being that he was not a churchgoer, really didn't know the difference between First John and the Gospel of John. And so instead of reading from First John 4.18, he read from the Gospel of John, chapter 4 and verse 18, which says, You have five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. That one didn't work out so well. But fear is something we all face, isn't it? Whether you're getting ready for marriage or getting ready for whatever it might be, fear is something we all face. It's one of those things that it seems like we face most. It seems like most things that we come against have something to do with fear. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in, in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore... You are of more value than many sparrows. So he tells us, do not fear. In fact, he tells us this quite often. Do not fear. How many times have you growing up told your children, do not do something? And you told them over and over. The more often you say, do not do this, is there there not an emphasis to that? There's a reason why. You know, do not eat cookies before dinner. Do not cross the street without looking. Do not, and all these do nots that you have, and you know, your children are all very attentive, as I, as was I. That all that your mom had to do, dad had to do, just tell you one time, right? No. <laughs> over, and over, and over, and over. But moms and dads weren't, after you tell all these things to your children over and over, then, didn't you get tired of saying all of the things, and you begin to focus on certain ones? that there are certain ones that you needed to get across to these people. That you needed, your sons and your daughters, you needed them to understand at this stage in life, do not do something. And so it would almost be that they would wake up in the morning and you say, now remember, do not. And they go to, go to school, do not. And they go out to play, do not. You would be telling them all the time, don't you do this. Don't you hang out with that person. Don't you do this. Don't you be over here. Don't you go near this. And you tell them that all the time. There's a few things that would always come up 
that you just felt so urgent about that you kept telling them that. And this is one of those things that Jesus seems to really feel an urgency about because he says it here. He says it over here in Luke chapter 12, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not, do not fear, therefore. Which is really just a repeat of the other one. Verse 32, Do not fear, little, fo- little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Revelations 2 and verse 10, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Do not fear any of those things which are about that you are about to suffer. Don't fear them. So he, he says this phrase a number of times. He also says this phrase, Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Would you not say that they are the same thing? But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Verse 30, same chapter. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Chapter 2 and verse 10. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Chapter 5, verse 10. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. Chapter 8, verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, He answered him, saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. Chapter 12 and verse 4. And I say to you, my friend, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after they have no more that they can do. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now this is just the ones do not be afraid out of Luke's Gospel. I didn't get into John's Gospel, Matthew's Gospel, or Mark's Gospel. A lot of times it's the same story told over again, but you'll find a few handful of uh, other ones. In Acts chapter 18 verse 9, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. Who does the Lord say this to? Paul. Is Paul a immature believer or a mature believer at this point in Acts chapter 18? I mean, he's out there doing mission trips, raising people from the dead, laying hands on sick people, preaching the gospel, changing cities. I'd say he's pretty mature at this point. And the Lord says to Paul in a night vision, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. Later on in chapter 27, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So two times, the Lord speaks directly to Paul. Do not be afraid. If Paul is susceptible to fear, couldn't we be? It seems like there's no stage in your spiritual growth where you can just say, well, fear no longer has a handle on me. I'm fine. As we look to reign in life, this is one of the things that's going to try and keep you from reigning in life. And it is fear. And so over and over again, Jesus tells His disciples, the Lord tells Paul, others, do not be afraid. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. So He says, don't be afraid and don't be troubled. Even if they come after you and threaten all kinds of stuff against you, don't be troubled by it. Don't lose any sleep over it. Don't be bothered. He says, do not be afraid. Now, on the basis of these verses that we looked at so far, if I decide to be afraid, am I disobeying or obeying God? 
A lot of times we don't look at it in a disobedience type of way. But if God continually says, do not steal, do not steal, do not steal, and we steal, have we disobeyed God? If God says, do not let these words depart from your mouth and meditate upon them day and night that you may be careful to do all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success, as He said to Joshua. If He says, do not, and we do, have we broken what He said to do? No matter what, if, if God comes out and says, do not do this, and we do, we disobeyed it. If your mom says, don't eat cookies before dinner, and you, when she's out of the kitchen for just a moment, sneak into... You don't have to do that. Nobody else would know. <laughs> just busted on there a little bit. We, I mean, we're all growing up. We sneak into the kitchen. And how many times have we asked ourselves, why not? What is the difference between having a cookie before dinner and after dinner? What's the difference? There's, it's a cookie. I eat one cookie now, another cookie later. It's no big deal. Ever, uh, I, uh, I don't usually see the show, but uh, uh, I've seen a few of the few of the shows. Uh, I'm trying to think of that guy, who, the comedian who has a, had a show a long time ago. It was on, um, boy, I can't think of his name. Anyway, he did a bit on, on cookies and eating cookies before dinner. And he said when he grew up, he found out that, uh, because his mom would always tell him, you're going to spoil your appetite if you eat cookies before dinner. And he's always told you, spoil your appetite. Then he got older and found out, you know what? If you spoil this appetite, it's fine. Another one right, is right behind it. <laughs> and so he would have the cookies before dinner. Well, we all know why mom was so concerned about us eating cookies before dinner because then we wouldn't eat as much dinner. My wife sometimes still gets concerned about me because I'll, I'll be going out. Sometimes we go out to a restaurant. If you've ever been out with a restaurant with me, you know what she would, would exhort me for because you know the dinner's coming. And I'll have, I can consume four, five, six glasses of iced tea or diet soda before the meal gets there. And she'll look at that and she'll say, how can you drink that much and still eat? It's, it's no problem at all. And if they, it's one of those restaurants that has bread and they have the bread that they dip in the oil, oh, oh this is good. I take that bread and that, that waiter is going back at least twice. Nobody else on the table wants it, that's fine, but I'm gonna, I can consume one or two of those loaves that they give you plus four, five, six Diet Cokes, iced teas, before the meal even gets there. And then the meal will come. And I'm fine to finish the meal. I'll finish my meal. I'll finish yours if you won't finish yours too. <laughs> I, can, I can eat when I want to. I can also not eat. I just, it's just a decision. I can choose not to eat. I can go through a whole day and not even think about feet, not eating. And I can sit down and out eat every single one of you at a dinner table. It all depends on... On what to do. But I found out, my wife would tell me all the time, if you eat all that bread, you're, you're going to spoil your appetite. She doesn't tell me that anymore. She got tired of that. She found out I can eat more bread than everybody at the table. I embarrassed them sometimes. We went out to a Mexican restaurant. I think I told you that story. Mexican restaurant up in New York. I sent that waiter back for so many chips and dips because they, they give you all the chips and dips that you want to eat. And so I had all that I wanted to eat and it was a lot. He got to, to the point that the, the family said, He's, he's avoiding you. He said, because I would be there. And he's avoiding. He's not even looking in your direction. That's all right. I went up and got him. We need more chips and dip. <laughs> we got more chips and dip. But if, if mom told you that, would you not be in disobedience? I mean, we all walked in disobedience in frustration of our moms and dads. They said, don't do this. Don't forget that. Don't miss this. And we did it anyway. 
Were we not in disobedience? And if we were caught, did we not pay the penalty? Absolutely. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. So there's John in heaven. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he still has to be told, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It seems like fear can get into us even when our mortal bodies are in heaven. I don't know about immortal bodies, but it seems like when mortal bodies like John's gets into heaven, you can still have to have to deal with that a little bit. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 40, he said to the disciples, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? Before he would always say, Do not be afraid. Have no fear. Don't 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 fear. All these kind of phrases that he would use to keep people out of that. And now he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And we've spent time on this before, but when you have the presence of fear, you have the absence of faith. If I have the presence of faith, I have the absence of fear. How many of you have fear going over big bridges? Anybody have fear? Well, you don't have to raise your hand. But if you have fear going over big bridges, over big bodies of water, just don't like that, why do you have that fear? Or why do you people who you know who have those fear? Why do they have that fear? Because they do not have the faith that that bridge is going to keep them out of the water. Right? If they had the confidence that that bridge is going to keep them out of the water, they don't have any problem with it. It's, it's that fear. Why do some people have a fear of flying? Because they don't have the confidence or the faith that that plane will stay up. The only thing that can cause you fear in a plane is fearing, fearing that it will go down. If you don't fear that it will go down, it's the big deal. I don't know. I think a plane's a fine way to fly. I mean, if it goes down, it's over pretty quick. Not much to fear there. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now look at this. If we are commanded not to fear, then fear is a decision. It's real important that we understand that. If we are commanded not to fear, then fear is a decision. I decide to be afraid. I decide to accept that lack of confidence in whatever is there so that I become fearful. Isn't that right? If it's not a decision, then why does God say, don't do it? If it's just an emotional response, if it's just something that happens to us, if it's just something that we're susceptible to outside of ourselves, why does God say, don't do it? If He says, do not fear, then there must be a part on my side that causes the fear to kick in. There must be something. How many, how many fears do you have that are related to a past experience? Something that has gone on badly in the past. How many of you have bad experiences in an emergency room? And you get into an emergency room, what happens? You begin to think about that past experience in the emergency room and fear can, can come on in. And a lot of times smells bring back memories, recurrences. And we think, oh, I don't... We, just that smell can, can do that. The place can do it. Certain people being around. All these, these fears can come back up, but it's a decision on my part. It's not an emotional response. 
It's not something that I just I live by and it just happens to me. If he says to me over and over again, do not fear, do not be afraid, have no fear, where is your faith, why are you so fearful, then it must be on my part a decision that puts me in there and I must decide not to fear. If we are going to rule and reign in this life, we must decide to do what God says to do. If I decide to do something different, then I'm going to get something different. And something I don't necessarily want. Well, let's take a look at the weapon of fear. Fear is so often used as a weapon against us, we sometimes think of it as the enemy. Don't we sometimes think fear is the enemy? And if I think about fear as being the enemy, I lose sight of the enemy. You know, you get into a battle. How many of you watch some of those um, war movies? And they have different kinds of ammunition, different kinds of things that they use. But really, the ammunition is not the enemy. It's the one firing it. They're the ones that cause the problem. You know, guns by themselves aren't a problem. It's the people who fire them. That's where the issue comes in. Fear is so often used as a weapon against us, we sometimes think of it as the enemy. Now, fear is a decision. I decide to be fearful. If I decide to take on the fear, I decide not to reign in that area and I decide to let it rain instead. Don't let it rain. Make that decision. Job chapter 3 and verse 25. We've covered Job before. Sometimes we get into it and some people haven't heard about it but you know, Job is confusing character for a lot of people. They see that oh, God let him be tested and he lost all that stuff because God decided that he should lose all that stuff and that's not really what happened to it at all. In Job chapter 3 and verse 25, we have a real clear explanation of what happened. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. That's why all this bad stuff happened to Job. It wasn't because God made a decision. Sure, Satan got before God. And God said, go ahead, you can test him. And so he went on down, and he just kept putting fear things in there. And finally, he took hold of it. And if you read the rest of Job, you find out what it was. Every day he would wake up, and since he was rich, his kids were just out partying all night. And he said, maybe one of them sinned against God. I don't know. Maybe one of them did. And so every morning after his kids were partying all night, he would get up and make all kinds of sacrifices just in case. Just in case they sinned because he's fearful of this. And so the fear would get in. They're going to sin and you're going to lose them all. God's going to judge them. God's going to kill them. I know. I know. Especially that older one. I never trusted that old. He's always out there doing this. Yeah. yeah. And what about the... Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, and, and that one too. Boy, he, he is just so mischievous. All oh, the things that he can come up with to get into. I bet you he got himself into trouble. And he just go over this and the devil just kept feeding him fear. Fear after fear. You're going to lose them all. They're going to die. God's going to judge them. And he kept fearing this and dreading it. He dread waking up in the morning. Look around, make sure all oh, the kids are right. Yes, they're all here. Oh, good, they're all here. They're all here. I'm going to make sacrifice just in case something happened. And you go through the book of Job. Don't take my word for it. If you haven't been through the book of Job, go through the book of Job. Right? You don't have to read the whole thing. It's right there in the first few chapters. He would talk about how he made sacrifices for his kids every day. They were out there partying the night before. He's out there making sacrifices, offering stuff for them just in case. Something went on. Don't do things just in case. Do things with purpose. Know why you're doing it. 
Oh, Father God, I'm going to do this because your word said so. Not just in case. But he let fear get in him. The thing that I dreaded has come upon me. He let the enemy get in. Now I wrote this in your outline. Fear is an expectation of a few things. First off, fear is an expectation of loss or gain. Fear is an expectation of loss or gain. I have an expectation that I'm going to lose money in this business venture. So I'm fearful of it. I have an expectation of, of loss. I have an expectation to gain something that I don't like. I don't want that. I might get that. And so I become fearful. Fear is an expectation of loss or gain. Fear is an expectation of something dreaded. Something you just, oh, I hope that never happens. I hope I never come upon that. I hope that I never see that. And fear is just a, a, an expectation of a dreading of that. It might, it might happen to me. Have you ever seen somebody doing something that you are fearful to do? I mean, just think about this way back. Ben Franklin's out there in a thunderstorm flying a kite. How many of your moms, you moms, know, know and would have told your son, don't fly a kite in a lightning storm? Would have told him that. But he's doing his experiment and getting things going on there. But you, you go out there and you look at old Ben flying a kite in a thunderstorm. And you think, oh, doesn't he know he'd get struck by lightning? Doesn't he know he could die? And you're thinking about that? How many of you have seen some surfer out there on the water? And you're thinking, doesn't he know he could get attacked by a shark? Oh, you get attacked by a shark out there. My mom sent me an email of this picture of this shark who's following somebody. And uh, I'll tell you what, that's some kind of picture too. Everywhere this guy would go, this shark would follow him. Big white, great, great white shark. Uh, apparently he saved his life and ever since then he's been following him and uh, run nice to him too. He doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt him. And, but just to see the boat and to see this big old shark there behind it. I mean, that's, that can get you pretty good. There's this big old shark. I mean, it's a big shark. It's no small one. It's a big, great white shark and it would come right up to the side of the boat and he could be right there next to its mouth. He had pictures of him right next to its mouth and the shark's not biting at him or anything. That's, that's something else. We would look at that. How many would say, uh-uh? No, 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 no. No, I'm not doing that with no great white. I'm not. I mean, you got to wonder, how does the guy find out that the shark actually likes him and wasn't just really hungry? How do you find that out? Do you put your hand out? Let's see if I'll bite. <laughs> I don't know how you find that kind of thing out. But anyway, he did. But you see somebody doing something that you're afraid of. Don't they know? Aren't they aware that this could happen? This They could die. How many of you thought that? Something dreaded. Fear is an expectation of something dreaded. Fear is an expectation of vulnerability or exposure. It's an expectation of becoming vulnerable or being exposed. Someone's going to find out. Someone's going to know. Someone's going to see. And there's fear that's involved with that. Well, fear is an expectation. But understand this, if I have no knowledge of it, I don't know to fear it. If you have no knowledge that sharks exist, you have no fear in the ocean about sharks, do you? I don't know that they even exist. I don't even know that they're out there. The problem that comes in, and the reason that we are afraid of a shark attack in the water is simply because we know they exist. 
we know that's where they make their home. We know the likelihood that they're out there in the water where we are isn't real high, but it's always that chance. And then that thought gets in, well, you just know it's going to happen to you. Bad stuff always happens to you. You just know they're going to find you. If I have no knowledge of it, I don't know to fear it. I mean, how did we all get to the point where we feared storms? We had to see something bad come out of the storm. Or we just began to imagine something bad coming out of the storm. How did, you, how did we begin to fear monsters? I mean, you weren't born with the knowledge that monsters existed. You watched just enough of those sci-fi, scary movie deals and, and then all of a sudden you have knowledge of these things. Knowledge of, of what people do. What monsters are available to you out there. What ones could possibly show up in your closet or underneath your bed? Well, without the knowledge of it, there's no fear of it. I can't be fearful of something I don't know. Now, get this one. The existence, not the truth of the knowledge is all that matters. The existence, not the truth of the knowledge, it's all that matters. Nothing else matters. I'll bet you there's some, some islands out there that have never had a shark attack. I don't know if I could name them for you, but I'll bet you there's some islands that have never in their entire history had a shark come near the water and attack anybody. But you can get out there and say, oh, that's all right, I'll probably be the first one. They'll probably make a meal out of me first. I'll be, I'll be known as the first shark attack on whatever island. Well, that's, we have that existence of knowledge in there. There's no truth necessarily behind it. But we have that existence of knowledge in our head. This is what's going to happen. So it doesn't matter the truth. In order to generate fear, it makes no difference whether the knowledge is true. All that matters is that the knowledge exists. That's it. If the doctor comes to you and says, you're so old at this age, this stage of the game, we like to do a number of tests on people. Do you mind if we run those tests on you? Hey, well, no, go right on ahead. Have the test, do the test, whatever. And so they do the test and then they come on back. You felt fine before the test. You had no problem. They weren't doing any of these tests because you felt poorly. It's just, you know, at your age, there are certain tests they like to do. And so they ran all these tests and they, and you came on back in a week later. They were going to give you the results of all these tests. So you came on back in and the doctor said, ah, bad news for you. We ran these tests and it, it's, it's really not good. You have this and this disease. Oh, really? I never even heard of that disease. What does that disease do? Well, it does this and this to you, but the end result is in six months you'll be dead. There's no cure for this disease. We have no cure for it, but in six months you'll be dead. That would devastate you, wouldn't you? Oh, man. Six, I got six months and then I'm dead. It's all over. And you felt fine going in there, but now all of a sudden you're feeling things. And then a week later you get a phone call from the doctor. I'm sorry. We had the wrong report. You're fine. Right? It doesn't matter the truth of the knowledge. All that matters is the existence of it. That, dollar, that, that doctor gave you knowledge. It wasn't based on truth, but you didn't know it. They just gave you knowledge. You're going to die. The same thing could come in if you went on in, you were feeling some things, 
And they went in and did the test and they came on back. You went into the doctor's office and said, oh, you're fine. It's not a problem at all. I don't know what it is yet, but it's not this, this or this. And those are the worst things it could be. Oh, and you go out there feeling so much better. And a week later, they call you out back and say, sorry, that was the wrong report. Yours says you'll be dead in a week. <laughs> the, the, the truth of the knowledge does not matter for what it will produce in you as far as fear is concerned. You can, you can have fear produced in you based on a false report and you can have fear produced in you based on a true report. The truth of it makes no difference. All that matters is what exists in you. That's it. You can start making plans. You were saving money for retirement and the doctor came and said in six months you're going to die and in one week you spent half of it. Just so nobody else will get to spend it all. You figure you're going to get out there and spend it. In one week you spent half of it. Went over to Atlantic City and gambled stuff away and just to have fun or whatever it was and just gave money away and bought stuff. Went out there and bought a Ferrari just to have the experience and for six months at least you're going to be able to drive this thing. Then you find out you're okay. Oh, no. <laughs> ah, you're in trouble. It's the existence of knowledge, not the truth of it. That's what's going to put you away. That's why you've got to be real guarded on what knowledge you allow to come in. If the knowledge we base our decisions on is the Word of God, the Word of God is always true. It's always true. But the doctors are not, are not always right. Now, I know that they try to be, and they're not going to try and produce fear in you or do something wrong. They're going to try and do it the best that they can for you. But they're fallible, and they can make errors, and blood tests can come back wrong. And beside all that, you might even have that thing and God will heal you anyway. But we can still get in fear about it. Now here's some people. We've gone over most of these stories. We're not going to go over these stories in detail. We've been over these stories probably pretty recently. But Adam and Eve in the garden became fearful because they came into the knowledge that something existed that they didn't have. Oh, God knows that the day that you eat of that tree, you will become, you will be just like Him having the knowledge of both good and evil. Oh, we're missing out on something. can't believe I'm missing out on something. I mean, how many times have we been content with our life just the way it is until we found out something? You were at work, getting paid, some job that you have, had or have, whatever, getting paid $10 an hour, and you're fine with that, you'd like to get paid more, but you're okay with that, until you find out that so-and-so who started after you and doesn't work nearly as hard as you He's getting paid twice that. How many of you are now suddenly become very dissatisfied with your job, with your boss, with your company, and with your pay? Why did you become dissatisfied with that? Because I became knowledgeable of something. That was it. I, was, I just became knowledgeable of something. I didn't know that they would pay anybody that much money to work here. They're going to pay you how much to work here? Oh, man, I'm upset about this. Abraham and his wife Sarah. He says, when we going down there to Egypt, they're going to think that you're pretty and they're going to want to kill me so they can get you. So you tell them that uh, you're my sister. Because it's not all completely untrue. So they went on down there and they did that. Based on what? Fear. That was it. Turned out it, was, it wasn't a well-placed fear at all. Because he, the, the king of Egypt, the pharaoh of Egypt, even said, hey, we might have gotten ourselves in trouble. 
down here, you telling us that kind of stuff. We wouldn't have killed you. Now take your wife and go. And so they did. Hey, but Jacob, with any of his favorite sons, you know, the first favorite son, Benjamin, or the, not Benjamin, Joseph, and then his second favorite son, Benjamin, when he thought Joseph was dead, he got all the extra special treatment. And when it was a dangerous mission to go on, who didn't have to go? The favorite son. He had his favorite. Got protected from a lot of stuff. Why was he doing all that? Something might happen to him. I don't know what, but something might happen to him. So just because something might happen, I don't want him to go. I don't want him to do this. How many times have you stayed out of something because something might happen? You know that something that might happen might be something good too. doesn't have to just be something bad. Something good might happen, but you don't know because you're afraid something bad might happen. i got to avoid that. How about Saul making the sacrifices in 1 Samuel 13? When all the people are gathered for battle and Samuel says, wait seven days and I'll come and make the sacrifice and the people go into war. And Saul waited up to the seventh day, but on the seventh day, people are getting restless. They're all starting to leave. And so he says, ah, I need to do something. So he made the sacrifice. As soon as he made the sacrifice, Samuel shows up. He says, what have you done? Well, when I saw that the people were departing and I saw the enemy, I was afraid. Fear will make us do a lot of things we shouldn't do. Matthew 26, verse 58. We see that Peter is following at a distance. Jesus is being taken off and Peter is following, but he's following at a distance. This is the same guy who says, I'm willing to die for you. I'll die for you. I don't care if they kill me too. I'm going with you wherever you go. And here's Jesus up over there and he's following at a distance behind. Because he's afraid of the people that are there. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. You all know this verse pretty well. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him steadfastly. Resist him. How many of you, if you saw a lion, first thought is, resist him. And most of our first thought is, run. Of course, that probably isn't going to work too well because lions are generally faster than people. So that doesn't work out so well. But uh, you can rest assured because lions usually pick on the weakest one. So just make sure you always keep a weaker buddy around. Never go somewhere without somebody weaker than you. And you'll be fine. They'll get the weaker one and you'll get to go off. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. But he's like one. Gives the appearance of one. Looks like one. But he's not one. There is a difference between being a roaring lion and being like a roaring lion. How many of y'all know what a carl snake is? Carl Snake is the most deadliest snake in the world. I think, uh, you know, God not intervening in such things of that nature. I think you got 30 seconds, 60 seconds, a minute, a couple of minutes. It's not long. Carl Snake bites you. It isn't long. Now, you have to understand something. You have to make a Carl Snake bite you. You all know that? They are a bashful snake. 
they would prefer to run away from you as bite you. But if you do it often enough, you know, trap them in a corner or, or do something with them, they will bite you, but they'd rather just get away. That's the Carl snake. Now, how many have ever heard of a milk snake? Look just like them. Except they're missing just a little bit of the coloring. And so if you know your snakes, you can look, oh, it's a milk snake. Oh, I'll pick that up. Because they're, they're totally harmless. But they look like a Carl snake. So somebody who knows a little bit about snakes, just a little bit of knowledge, might say, oh, Carl snake. And become exceedingly fearful and run off. See, a, a milk snake may look like a Carl snake, but they're not a Carl snake. Just look like it. The devil goes about like a roaring lion, but he's not a roaring lion. He's like one. Resist him. Apparently, he's not a roaring lion and we can resist him. Resist the guy. If you resist him, he doesn't get the opportunity to take you down. So, you got to understand his tactics. His tactics have always been the same from the beginning of time. Sometime, you know, you have an afternoon free, pick up your Bible and go through it from Genesis all the way up to Revelation. You know, just some afternoon. You got some extra time. And just look at how the devil deceives people. That's all he's done. All through the beginning. He's deceived this one. He's deceived that one. He makes them think fearful things. He makes them think they're missing out. He, he just constantly sows these seeds, these thoughts that make you think, hmm. Sometimes he sows them directly one of his, his cohorts, tries to sow that thought in. Sometimes it's just from people around you that are raised up to say things against you. That's not going to work. Well, that'll kill you. Well, you know, as much as you're on the road, you're sure to get into an accident. Well, you know, you keep doing that, you're going to die. You keep eating that, you're going to die. You keep doing that, you're going to die. I get so tired. I am so glad we're not listening to the news. Oh, so glad we're not listening to the news. But as much as I try and avoid it, and they still have those little snippets that they put in. And they'll let you know a new thing that's going to kill you. Such and such will shorten your life. Such and such will kill you. If you eat fried food, you'll die. If you eat popcorn, you'll die. If you eat vegetables, you'll die. If you eat corn, you'll die. If you eat blueberries, you'll die. If you eat beef ribs, you will die. If you eat pork, you will die. You know what? We're all going to die. I am going to die. Glory to God. Because you can't get into the next kingdom until you die out of this one. So glory to God. We're going to die. Hallelujah. Stop being afraid of it. I mean, they're out there like everything they got to do is to keep you alive longer. Keep you going longer. And if they do this thing or they want to do it with health care and they put it all underneath the government, how many of y'all trust the government that much? They did such a wonderful job with Social Security. And they've kept that working so well. And they've done such a great job with Medicare. and You know, they kept that all, all in the black. Why not give them something more? But you do it. And I'll tell you what, you're going to be regulated if you eat too much pizza. I say you'll be arrested. Because you'll be driving up the health care costs of all these millions of Americans. 
eating too much pizza. And if they determine that French fries are harmful, you can get arrested maybe for too many French fries. How many French fries have you had this month? That's Dutch over your quota. You can't have that many. You're arrested. Don't think that's not in there. That is that kind of stuff, that kind of control. We keep giving it to the to the government. Don't matter who's president, doesn't matter who's in Congress, that keeps changing, but these things keep going on. People want to control your life. You give it into if you you do it for the free lunch that you're supposed to have, you get what you deserve. I know you folks won't. You're you're smarter than that. But we don't want to give up that kind of concern. Stop thinking that we're here to live forever. Thank God He took the tree of the life out of the garden so that we could die and get redeemed. We are going to die. Somebody looks over to you and sees you eating red meat and says, that'll kill you. Glory to God. You ever hear Jesse Duplantis talk about eating? He says, God knows the good stuff. He says all the time in the Bible, give me the fat. He wants the fat. God wants the fat. God knows what the good part is. He wants the fat. We get all nervous and concerned. And, ah, don't be doing it. Now, I'm not telling you just to eat poorly or anything like that. Your spirit will help you out. Tell you what good things to eat, how to eat, what to do. Help you out with that. But stop getting in all that bondage about it. If you're out there on the boardwalk this summer and you want to have a thing of french fries, enjoy them. Have them and enjoy them. If you want to have some funnel cake, don't sit there, well, what kind of oil did you use that you fry it in? <laughs> Enjoy the funnel cake. Walk on up the boardwalk and say, glory to God for funnel cake. <laughs> and just enjoy it. Stop getting all hung up and the devil wants to come and say, you're just going to shorten your life. Just say, glory to God. <laughs> He's trying to get fear into you. That's all He cares to do is to put fear into you. That's all. Don't let Him do it. Just tell Him, I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to take that on. If the devil, you get down to the shore this year and the devil wants to get you fearful of sharks, you say, just for that, I'm going in the water. Now, if you don't want to go in the water, don't go in the water. But sometimes you just got to take the devil by the, by the strap collar around his neck. Shake him. You are not going to put that on me. If I want to go in the water, I'll go in the water. If I don't want to go in the water, I won't go in the water. But it won't be because of any fear. Because I don't want to go in the water. Some people just don't like the water. Salt water. Some people don't like the seaweed. I just don't like it. I'm not afraid of it. I just don't like it. To me, it doesn't bother me. But for other people, they may not like it. So just, uh, just understand, I don't like it. You don't like it, you don't have to do it. I don't like cooked cabbage. But I'm not afraid of it. I just don't like it. You cannot do something because you don't like it. But hang on to that. Don't let the devil turn it into a fear. I don't like going to doctors. Alright, but don't be in fear of going to doctors. I don't like tests. That's fine. But don't be in fear of tests. Don't be sitting there, well, they might find something bad. <gasps> I'm not going to get that test done because they might find something bad. Oh, and they might have some bad news. Oh, don't do it. Don't give in to fear. Because as soon as you give in to it, it'll be a problem. I want you all to think about income tax. How many of y'all like income tax? Isn't income tax great? 
you get to put, put away about one-third of your money and give it to the government. This is wonderful. Who thought of this? Wow. Well, we all know, you know, income tax was illegal the way the, the founders did it. And they had to put an amendment in there to, to uh, allow for income tax to be done. But an amendment came in solely on the fact that who was supposed to be originally taxed with income or have their income taxed? Anybody remember? Certain group of people. The rich. It was only going to affect the rich. How many of you are rich? I mean, every time that you look at your paycheck and you see income tax, say, glory to God, I am rich. Look at that. It says right there. They're taking income tax out. It means I'm rich. Because they only take it out of the rich. <laughs> but as soon as you give that up, then pretty soon the rich become poorer and poorer. Pretty much, pretty much soon everybody's rich. That's all the devil wants to try and do. He wants to get the foothold in. He wants to get in there. Because if he can get in there and get you to become fearful, you will not rule. You will not reign. Every pain that comes up in your body. And then my, this one might be it. This one could kill me. I just know this is something bad. I'm going to go to the doctor. He'll tell me what it is. And don't just feed your fears. You don't need to hear all that. But you see, you should be able to go to the doctor. And the doctor give you a bad report. And you say, glory to God. That's alright. I'm not praising God for the, the thing. But no matter what situation I'm in, I'm just giving glory to God. I'm praising God. I'm not going to get in fear over the thing. Don't get in fear. God can dissolve tumors. God can eradicate disease. God can remake stuff. Because He's God. Feed off of Him. Have His expectation. Just because a lion roams doesn't mean he gets to eat. Just because that lion's roaming around doesn't mean he gets to eat. How many of you watched the Nature Channel and seen that lions went after the gazelles and the gazelles got away? Just because a lion's out there roaming around and he's hungry doesn't mean the lion gets to eat. He's got to find one that's weak. He's got to find one that's slower. they got to find one that's in the back. Don't be weak. Don't be slower. Don't be in the back. It really doesn't make any difference even if you are. Just resist Him. Steadfast in the faith. He'll go away. He cannot continue. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. The devil is given place in your life by you. You rule. You have been given the reign of your life. And you have that rulership of it. Now you determine what comes in. You determine what you think on. You determine what goes goes on in, inside that, that little head of yours. What kind of stuff are you going to take in? What kind of stuff are you listening to? I listen to stuff all day long. I listen to podcasts and sermons. Something's going on with Grace Fellowship. They haven't had a new one up there for a while. Yeah, you notice that too. I don't know what's going on there. I haven't had a new Grace Fellowship one to listen to for about a month. But we got other people. We got backups. We got backups in place. Get to listen to some of them. I listen to most of the radio shows I listen to. I listen to on podcasts because I can't stand the news reports that come in between. So if you go on podcasts, you totally eliminate all news reports. No news reports. I don't even want those little blurps coming on in try and put me in fear and so forth. I'm not going to accept it. Don't give place 
to the devil. If the devil has place in your life, first off, realize I gave it to him. No one else can give it. Your husband can't give it to him. Your wife can't give it. Your kids can't give it to him. Only you can. They can be instruments, but they can't give them place. You have to give them the permission because you are the one who reigns in your life. You are the one who rules in your life. Remember our verse, verse of Scripture we covered when we started. Romans 5.17 For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. We are called to reign in life. Do not give the devil place. Don't give it place. My enemy is not the fear, but the one who sows the expectation contrary to God's Word. That's who's our enemy. Someone is trying to sow in your life expectation apart from what the Word of God is telling you. If you accept it, you've given the devil place in your life. Don't accept it. you got a doctor and he's trying to give you, you know, the, the bad scenario. Don't try and get the doctor saved right there on the spot. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Don't, that doesn't make any difference. Don't give the devil place. Don't sit there and argue with the doctor. Doctor, you're wrong. That's not right. Because the doctor said, well, i got the test right here and he's just going to go on the facts. I don't need to argue the basis of those facts whether they're right or wrong. Because my expectation is built from the Word of God. I just go back to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about me and sickness and disease? What does the Word of God say about Jesus as my healer? Does it say that Jesus is the healer from half of the diseases? Does it say that Jesus took half of my pains? No, we know that's not true. My enemy is not the fear, but the one who sows the expectation contrary to the Word of God. We covered this not too long ago, but remember when Jesus was pulled aside by Peter and Peter said to him, don't you be talking about dying and all this this stuff. Don't you be doing it. And Jesus steps aside and he says, get behind me, Satan. And he's looking right at Peter because he understands. And we, we covered that with some uh, much more in depth uh, not too long ago. But understand this, when you see Jesus in the garden and Jesus is wrestling with what? Father God, if there's any other way to accomplish Your will than for me to go to the cross, let's do it. But if there's no other way but than this cross, I'll go ahead and I'll do it. I'll go ahead and I'll step on. I'll do this thing. I will obey. And He wrestled with that for three different hours of prayer. And here comes a best friend of His. One of His close commandants. Don't you be talking about dying. He's feeding on that. That part. And he says, No, you are not putting a wrong expectation to me. He turned to him and he says, Get behind me, Satan. That's how we need to look at folks, situations that want to try and sow wrong expectations in us. Sometimes we look at the economy, we hear things about the economy. I want to get a wrong expectation about my job, about my business, about my income. Stop it. Don't let it come in. Father God, I don't care. The whole world could go into a depression. But I depend on You. Thank You, Father God, for taking care of all my needs. I thank You that whatever business I need comes my way. I thank You to be the people like to give me business. 
I think either people like to give me jobs. I think that either people like the way I work. And just be thankful. Get into that mode. Don't give them place. Know God's Word and expect what He promises. There is no substitution for knowing God's Word. Constantly be going over God's Word. You heard, heard a message? Hear it again. You hear somebody else teaching the same thing? Hear it again. Go over it. Go over it and over it and over it and over it. Get it into you. If you wander from hearing things that build up your faith, your faith will start to erode. Faith is continually maintained. All you got to do is get around people who don't expect it. All you got to get around pe- is get around people that have fear and doubt and it won't be long till you start to adopt some of their fear and doubt. Get around people who expect to be sick. Pretty soon you expect to be sick. Get around people who, who expect that they have to work for their salvation and pretty soon you're going to find yourself working for some things. You've got to stay around the right kind of people. You've got to stay around here in the right kind of words because it will affect you spiritually. Be on guard. Don't let it get in. Father God, I will expect what you say I should expect. I know the whole world is out here to doubt and to disbelieve your word. But I will not. I refuse to disbelieve your word. Though the entire world tell me one thing, I will believe what your word says. I will stand on it. I will believe it. For your word is where my expectation comes from. And hang on to it. Be on guard against it. And just know it is constantly under attack. The devil is always looking. All right, it didn't work to go up this way. Let's try it this way. Let's see if we can get in over here. Maybe we can get in through one of their relatives. Maybe we can get in through one of their friends. Maybe we can get in through their radio show that they listen to. Maybe we can get in through the TV. Maybe if we get that commercial on. Maybe if they see a newspaper article. Maybe if they get an email. They'll try all kinds of ways trying to get your expectation to shift. Trying to get it so that you do not expect what God says, but you expect what the doctor said. You expect what the economist said. You should have no confidence in, in most of these people. How many times has the, uh, the news people out there reporting, economists are surprised that... I mean, every time they have news in the economy, the economists are surprised. Every time. The economists are surprised that job, the job, job growth rate isn't as high as it should be, or as low as it. They're always surprised, which means whatever they expect isn't going to happen. Don't be listening to them. They're wrong most of the time anyway. For a while, they told you that this was bad for you, then they found out that was good for you. Told you to avoid this, and they found out well that's not so bad. I mean, even now they told you. How many remember back before? Don't eat fish because it has mercury. I mean, fish was supposed to be so good for you. Don't eat fish. It has mercury in it. Now they're telling you that you have to put light bulbs in your house that have mercury in them. How does that make sense? They don't make sense. Don't listen to them. Don't get expectation from them. Get your expectation from the Word of God. Stay in it even more. Because your adversary, he's like a roaring lion. He's wandering around. He's looking for an opportunity. If you give it to him, he'll take it. Just don't give it to him. Just don't give them the chance. Would you all stand up with me? Father God, we thank You. Though our adversary is roaming around looking for those whom he can devour, for those who would give him place,
for those who would accept the fear in their life. We, Father, will not. We will stay in faith. We will believe what Your Word said. We will formulate beliefs based on principles in Your Word and not what economists and lawyers and doctors and all these other professionals say. We look to You. And we thank You for it. We give You the glory and the praise for it. Thank You for the insight You give us into Your Word. So we go back and meditate over these and mull over some of them. We look forward to the light that they give us. For Your Word is light. Your Word is life. We thank You for what it does for us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.